Just before we start this episode, we wanted to do a little tribute to Christopher Lee, who sadly passed this week. Well, the whole point of this uh, this podcast is to delve into things that are uh, geeky and a little bit cult. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee was the king of cult, I think it's fair to say. There are um, so many things which we could and maybe will talk about yeah, in the future. Yeah, exactly. He, he was Dracula, he was Sherlock Holmes, uh, Frankenstein's monster, he was in Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, ridiculous. And as we touched upon in this episode, he was one of the all-time great uh, Bond villains. Um, it's quite coincidental that we, we do briefly mention him in this week's uh, podcast, uh, which we actually recorded before uh, the news broke. Yeah. I think the word iconic is sort of thrown around a bit too a bit too freely yeah. uh, a bit too casually but uh, Christopher Lee I think it's fair to say was a, a true icon of film and television he'll be sorely missed by us and I'm sure many like us be that word our sign of parting bird or fiend I shrieked upstarting get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. A Beginner's Guide to Doctor Who Clara, be my pal Tell me My good man Hello and welcome to episode six of Two Geeks, Two Beers and a Laptop with me, Morgan and Tom. Hello. uh, Today we're going to be looking at, this is basically where I get to have a little bit of fun because this is my area of expertise. This is like you and your element. Yeah. Anyone who knows me knows that, you know, I'm, I'm a massive geek, but my number one area of geeky expertise is Doctor Who. And this is, this is... The biggest moment of this was when we were at a bloody uh, Christmas fair thing. Oh, we were at Winter Wonderland yeah. in, in London, yeah. And we were just having a beer. Mm. And this guy comes up to us and goes, sorry, are you Morgan Jeffrey? Yeah. And I was like, say <laughs> oh, Yeah, I did, for, for work I do a series of sort of Doctor Who review videos and I got, I got spotted. Um, I guess I'm a very, 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 very minor <laughs> um, celebrity, well, but only to a certain roster of, of, of lovable geeks. You were on there. Channel 5, you did a little, uh, uh, <laughs> what was it, the, the scariest uh, I was, I was I was lucky enough to be selected, Tom, as a talking <laughs> head on Channel 5's, I think it was Scariest TV Villains. Hundred. Hundred Scariest yeah. TV Villains. I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, no, I don't know, <laughs> I haven't watched it since. My yeah. mum's got it on, on the Sky Plus. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this this week I'm going to be sort of presenting a, a beginner's guide to Doctor Who. So if you're listening to this and, like I do, you have a friend who's a bit of a Doctor Who noob, um, but you want to get them into it and they're sort of willing to try it, I've, I've developed a plan, it's a five-stage plan, Good. as to how, how you get someone hooked. Because this is my thing, because it's tricky, because mm. that is, obviously Doctor Who's so 
big there's and 50 plus years of it it's intimidating and it's, yeah and, and, and a lot of it is going to be old mm. and I hate to say it but very dated looking yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be bothered with any of that this plan is going to I reckon it's going to turn you alright cool alright so um, at this point I just want to get a sense of what is your basic knowledge of Doctor Who how much do you know um Next to nothing, really. Let's be honest. In terms of like actual knowledge of plots and stuff, yeah. I mean, I know who the doctors were who played them. Mm. I'd have to. It would take me a while to know what order. Yeah. Um, and as you know, the very basic premise. Yeah. Yeah. But not enough to know enough. If you know uh, what I mean. Yeah. I, and, and I watch the Christmas special every year because it's on. Yeah. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it. I believe you are a fan though of the KLF's uh, bizarre yes. 1988 mashup novelty pop single yes. Doctor in the Tardis. Definitely. Right. Well, just, let's first off let's have a little blast of Doctor in the Fantastic. Tardis. Ignore the gag a little bit. Say <laughs> that. <laughs> The favourite bit is, for me, the, the bit they try to fit in the TARDIS, which doesn't really... The TARDIS. The TARDIS. It's amazing. It's also a bit of a musical monstrosity. Yeah. I feel like we need immediately now need to uh, cleanse our, our musical palettes uh, by listening to, written by Ron Grainer, realised by Delia Derbyshire yeah. at BBC Radiophonic Workshop. It's the original, brilliant and timeless Excellent. Doctor Who theme. Let's have a blast of that. Orchestral and a bit less bombastic than the yeah. kind of the later versions that they get. It gets a bit drum um, bass, <laughs> like chasing status. It's, it, it's just, it just sounds like that sounds like nothing else. That yeah. you don't, you, you can't even fathom what instruments are used to play that. Whereas now it's just as much as I love the big kind of orchestral sweep of, of the themes. Now it's just, it just sounds like an orchestra. That was the radio that sounds incredible, shop, wasn't it? Yeah, it just yeah. sounds. It synthesizes. It sounds creepy and alien, and it's absolutely. It's like one of the first electronic 
songs or electronic, electronic pioneers the radio Phonic workshop mm-hmm. now um so okay where, so where do we start you got 50 plus years of doctor who okay where do you start now logic sort of dictates you start at the beginning right you know the, 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 i love the first ever episode of doctor who yeah. ni- no, 1963 it's a classic and we'll get we'll get onto that but as you were saying it's it's old it's black and white and if you want to convert you know a newbie to doctor who I, w- I would argue as much as i love that episode so don't, you know, don't get angry with me as much as I love it. The best way to convert someone is not to show them this grainy old black and white recording of a right. bit of telly yeah. from 1963. It's not the way, it's not where you start. Is that the one with Roy Castle in? <laughs> no, so, <laughs> so, there's, there's these, there's, this is, there's these Doctor Who movies, right? They made in the 60s. When yeah. Doctor Who and like Dalek Mania was at its peak, they made uh, a couple of big screen remakes of the William Hartnell stories right. starring Peter Cushing yes. as, as Doctor Who. So that's not official. It's not, it's not uh, canon, mate. Okay. But he's actually called Doctor Who in them. That's what I like. <laughs> not, not the Doctor He goes, hello, my name is Doctor Who. <laughs> and Roy Castle is like his companion. And they're yeah. remakes of, getting onto the, this again, this is like last episode, these are remakes of the two Dalek stories they did. Right. But, uh, and they're camp and silly and ridiculous. Okay. But I bloody love them. I bloody love those. I'll go on record saying I love those Dalek movies. It began just as you see here. Do you know what you have just done? You have transferred us in time and space, and I hadn't even set the controls. No, I don't know where we are. We could be anywhere in the universe and at any time. Yes, this is how it began. The adventure that started by accident, taking us out of this time and place to a lost planet. Come with us into that strange new world. I cannot guarantee your safety, but I can promise you unimagined thrills. You know, so so basically, the point is, you don't start a Doctor Who a Doctor Who newbie off at the start. It's okay. a bad idea. All right. So then I was thinking, oh, maybe a good choice would be the first step of the relaunched Doctor Who in two thousand and five, which is uh, Rose, Christopher Eccleston, and Billy Piper. Now, I love that episode, but. I was thinking about it, and I sort of love it more for what it did than what it is. Right, okay. Because um, it's the first episode of, of revived Doctor Who, and it obviously launched the show back into the stratosphere, and so I, I absolutely, I'll always love it for that. However, the episode itself is a bit thin. It has uh, Noel Clark getting eaten by a CGI wheelie bin. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great at what it does, but it's not the strongest. Again, if you want to start someone off, I wouldn't argue you you start them off with Rose. Really though, Doctor, tell me, who are you? Do you know like we were saying about the Earth revolving? It's like when you're a kid. The first time they tell you that the world's turning and you just can't quite believe it because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour and the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me, clinging to the skin of this tiny little world, and if we let go... That's who I am. The place to start, I would argue, a, a Doctor Who newbie, start with Matt Smith's first episode. Oh, really? The 11th hour. That's where I Not say seven. you start. No, I, I, well, because David Tennant's first episode... I like it, but it's a Christmas special. It's mm-hmm. very much tied to the the previous series. It's not it's not a good starting point. Whereas Matt Smith's debut is kind of relaunched for the series, okay. and it's more or less standalone. Um, it, it works as an introductory episode, which is crucial, but it's also just brilliant. And it's kind of 
it's not quite light on scares, but it's kind of it's 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 funny and it's uh, it's entertaining. Matt Smith's absolutely brilliant in it. He sort of in terms of you know doctors making their debuts in their first episode, he gives one of the best debut performances. Is he your favourite of the new doctors? Of the new, so post kind of yeah post two thousand five, yeah. Matt Matt Smith is my okay. is my favourite. Yeah, um, and I just think it's a brilliant episode because. Russell T Davies and David Tennant they kind of took Doctor Who to newfound heights of, okay. of popularity um, and then they both left so you've got like a completely new behind the scenes team and you've got a new Doctor played by a 27 year old <laughs> like everything yeah. about the 11th hour screams that should be absolutely dreadful it works but it's amazing yeah. um, and I loved David Tennant and I remember watching The End of Time uh, on, in, in, in sort of New Year's Day 2010 yeah. choking back manly tears <laughs> in bed alone just watching it just watching it with a kebab probably. yeah with a kebab watching the end of time almost weeping <laughs> because it was really emotional I don't want to go but by the end of the 11th hour I had sort of no offence DT but I sort of completely forgotten about David Tennant <laughs> and was just like absolutely loving Matt Smith that's and that's that's a sign of when someone's done done their job right not scared of course you're not you're not scared of anything box falls out of the sky man falls out of the box man eats fish custard and look at you just sitting there you next you move on to stage two modern masterpieces now at this point you delve into David Tennant all oh, right so yeah. you don't so what you what you do now is you watch blink so, how many of Matt Smith have I watched? You've only watched the one. So, the one episode. This is what I'm saying. Okay. This is this is just give you a grounding in, okay. in Doctor Who. Oh. So, you start off with the 11th hour. You then move on to uh, Blink, which is the episode that first introduced Weeping Angels. I've heard a lot about this, but I've never seen it. You've never seen Blink. Yeah, never seen so, this it. is why you need to take yeah. my Doctor Who for a <laughs> beginner's guide. Yeah. So, but you know the, the deal with the Weeping Angels. You can't, right? if you do Blink, they get closer to you. Yeah, the statues, but if you Blink, that's when they can, when they can get you. What happens if they get to you? Wow. <laughs> they don't just kill you they send you back in time so you're like torn away from your family and friends and like stuck in the past and so you sort of die but just you know really slowly so like they can touch you you'll vanish and then your family and friends will go oh there's, there's Tom Eames' grave and then it'll be like because he went back to the 60s and lived his whole life but died shit yeah <laughs> it's a good idea right it's yeah. good, good and I still for many reasons I think Blink is kind of like, like a quintessential modern Doctor Who episode for me because it's just I remember going to the pub um, the, like the, the week after it aired or something and all my mates were talking about Doctor Who yeah. and that never happens no. and I was like did you see that Doctor Who episode that was scary that was good and like that, that never happens I think in terms of its impact few episodes have sort of rivaled Blink the angels are coming for you but listen your life could depend on this don't blink don't even blink blink and you're dead they are fast faster than you could believe don't turn your back don't look away and don't blink Good luck. In in today's age of making films out of anything, I'm mm. surprised no one's gone. Should we just take the idea of that story? Yeah. And make it, not not to do Doctor Who, yeah. but make it its own film. Stephen Moffat, he, he he said something. I'm sort of paraphrasing once, but he said something like, "When you you know you come up with a good concept for a Doctor Who episode, when you say, ah, there goes that film idea. It's yeah. that sort of thing. Like a lot of these, a lot of the great episodes could be great self-contained kind of uh, adventure horror movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You got um, the re- and again the reason I think it's Blink is great, but I think the reason you start with the eleventh hour is um, Blink doesn't feature the Doctor much. He's kind of a background character, whereas eleventh hour oh, gives okay. you more of a more of a grounding in, in the Doctor's character. Yeah. Follow that up with uh, Midnight. Have you ever heard of Midnight? Right. Another another David Tennant episode, yeah. which like Blink is sort of quite standalone and 
you're going to sniff at this. So it's sort of about the Doctor being stuck on a tour bus in space. <laughs> and, it, and it's got... It's like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it stars Carol Jackson from EastEnders. <laughs> but, but, right, it's about uh, the, the Doctor's stuck on this tour bus and kind of like an evil presence invades the bus. Okay. And you never see it. You can't, like, it's invisible, but it starts possessing people. And then the, and it gets really claustrophobic and everyone turns against each other. And uh, just the, the acting and the performances are absolutely um, brilliant. And I think, like, along with Blink, it's kind of as scary as modern Doctor Who has ever been. And then at the end, uh, one person gets possessed by the monster and they commit suicide by jumping out of the bus. And that's it. You don't know if the monster's defeated. You never find out what it is. And it's absolutely terrible. Does it ever come back to it? Not yet. But it's like, maybe, I'd love, but I, I, I kind of like the ambiguity, yeah. which I never say that. I never, I like stories that I like it. Yeah, no, no, I hate people who say, oh, the end of The Sopranos is so great because you don't find out what happens. No. Tell us what happens. You failed as a storyteller if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, ambiguity is not an ending. Yeah. Uh, like, so I hate that. But I like this, it's kind of, I like scary ambiguity. Right. Not just I was too lazy to come up with a proper ending for Tony Soprano. Yeah. It's, I like it where it's like, oh, you don't quite know what the motivations of that monster were. That's scary. I like that. Why are you repeating? Why are you repeating? What is that learning? What is that learning? Copying? Copying? Absorbing? Absorbing? The square root of pi is one point seven two two four five three eight five zero nine zero five five one six zero two seven two nine eight one six seven four eight three three four one four eight three three four one. Wow! So you've done eleventh hour. Blink, midnight. At this point, if you're still, you know, hooked at this point, you've got stage three, delving into the classics. Okay. All right, so this is where you start going into old Doctor Who. So if you think of classic Doctor Who, to you, who is the most famous classic Doctor? Tom Baker. Tom Baker, exactly. I'm the Doctor. <laughs> who are the most famous monsters? Daleks. Daleks, exactly. Spot on. So, <laughs> what does that lead you to? You go to 1975's Genesis of the Daleks, which is Tom Baker's uh, fourth story. And basically, again, it's got a great concept. He's um, sent on a mission by the, his people, the Time Lords. You know, you know he's a Time right, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's basically, you know, the old thing of, oh, would you kill Hitler as a baby? Because it would stop Hitler doing all the terrible things he did, but can you kill a baby? It's that idea. But... The Doctor is sent back to the Daleks' home planet in the kind of the early days, and it's, ooh, can, can he erase the Daleks from time? Can he make the Daleks extinct? And then, therefore, none of the damage the Daleks ever did will, will ever happen. And have you heard about the Time War, which is a thing in modern Doctor Who? I have, yeah. In the, I think it came up in the one where Matt Smith left. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, they mentioned they mentioned it a lot. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. So yeah. the, the time the time war was a war between the Daleks and the Time Lords, which is the Doctor's race, yeah. and it was a, a thing that was only introduced in the new 2005 series. Oh. But a lot of fans have sort of retroactively um, geekily said that maybe Genesis of the Dalek, because it's the Time Lords trying to you know no pun intended exterminate the Daleks yeah. maybe that's the start of the time war and they kind of retroactively linked it all up which I think is, is oh, quite clever like yeah. and, uh, and Genesis is probably best known for it, it introduces Davros who yeah. is the creator who of the Daleks I have seen of and it's fucking terrifying yeah as a, as a kid it's a bit like Mumra in Thundercats yeah. this kind of weird um, sort of gnarled grotesque creator and he's Michael Wisher who plays him absolutely uh, brilliant and Tom Baker just kind of He's had a few episodes to settle in by this point. He's at his peak, so just play us a little clip now from uh, Genesis of the Daleks, one of my favourite moments. Davros, if you had created a virus in your laboratory, something contagious and infectious that killed on contact, 
a virus that would destroy all other forms of life. Would you allow its use? It is an interesting conjecture. Would you do it? The only living thing. A microscopic organism. Reigning supreme. A fascinated idea. But would you do it? Yes. Yes. To hold in my hand capsule that contained such power. To know that life and death on such a scale was my choice. To know that the tiny pressure on my thumb, enough to break the glass, would end everything. Yes. I would do it. That power would set me up above the gods. And through the Daleks, I shall have that Very dramatic, absolutely. I love that scene. Just one of my absolute favourite scenes from from classic uh, Doctor Who. Absolutely brilliant. Then let's have a bit of Pertwee, shall we? <laughs> get on a bit of John Pertwee because I get. I think he's kind of like maybe after Tom Baker, the second most recognisable okay. classic Doctor. Yeah. Now, um, my earliest memory of Doctor Who, funnily enough, is a scene from Genesis of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. It's the cliffhanger to episode four. But my first ever complete Doctor Who story I watched was. Uh, spearhead from space uh, okay. from 1970 <laughs> which so ni- the way I, I first got into Doctor Who was uh, 1999 I was about 13 or 14 and uh, on BBC Two there was a Doctor Who night uh, like that. a themed yeah. night yeah and they were showing like you know documentaries and they showed a few old episodes <clears throat> and interviews with the cast and that kind of thing and then they followed it up the following week by they um, started repeating some old Doctor Who stories um, and it didn't last long because they showed uh, I think it's three complete stories and then they uh, swapped out for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air repeats why did they do that? I was furious at the time oh. as much as I love you know Big Willie style I was furious I was absolutely furious it's like they took reboot away exactly it's, you know, so then uh, they, the, but the first one they showed was John Pertwee's first story uh, Spearhead from Space so you'll see Mr Channing with this device I can eliminate you no one can destroy the nesting. And that's kind of an iconic story for many reasons. As I say, it's John Pertwee's first, first Doctor Who story of the 1970s, um, also the first Doctor Who story in colour, um, but also it introduced uh, the Autons, who are, I'm actually, uh, were in Rose as well, the first oh. Doctor Who story when it came back. I think because they're such classic monsters, and they, they are uh, plastic dummies come to life, because okay. there's, there's basically this alien intelligence called the nesting consciousness that can... <laughs> For reasons that are never really explained, um, they they can only inhabit things made of plastic. Okay. And so they take over, and, and there's this very famous scene in Spearhead from Space where uh, window shop dummies spring to life and, and, and smash their way. Well, I think one of the great things about Doctor Who is it just has this power to make things that are ordinary extraordinary. Yeah. So just as Blink made statues scary because you think is that statue a weeping angel? So Spearhead from Space and um, it, it makes shop window dummies scary because like what if it's an Auton? What if it springs to life? You wouldn't want to go to your kitchen afterwards in fear of just things. Yeah, exactly. And there's another story called, um, <coughs> a sequel to Spearhead called Terror of the Autons, mm-hmm. which actually got complaints at the time because it had things like, you know, um, like a little troll doll yeah. that came to life and started killing people and um, flowers that sprayed like plastic cling film over your face and suffocated you. It got like pretty dark <laughs> and people at the time complained. So, yeah. Um, so, all right. So you've, you've watched some sort of modern masterpieces. You've watched the best of classic Doctor Who. Yeah. I think if you're still hooked at this point, 
um, you're ready then at this point to then go back okay. to the beginnings of Doctor Who because you know basically if you're still watching at this point you're ready <laughs> and at this point you're ready to watch the first ever episode from 1963 right. which I do love and uh, it's called An Unearthly Child so basically the first ever episode starts out and there's just a couple of teachers at this school and uh and because Doctor Who was originally meant to be sort of educational for kids, one's a science teacher, one's a history teacher, Classic. so they can talk about science and history. Anyway, they got a student who is this young girl who's like, oh, she's a bit weird. So they think, oh, we'll uh, we'll follow her home for one day. <laughs> yeah, the sort of the, the slightly dubious elements of that are never really followed mm-hmm. up. What? Why haven't these people in their thirties got better things to do? Why don't they go down the pub? Anyway, they sort of follow her home. Turns out she lives in a junkyard. Ooh, and her grandfather, who's her only relative, is the Doctor. Um, and at this point, and he's he's William Hartnell, right. who's this the first Doctor, this old dude, and that well, first so he is, but he can't be right. What her gra- her grandfather? Yeah. He is her grandfather. So in the first ever episode, I the thought doc- he was an alien. He's an alien. Is she an alien then? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so in, the, in the first ever episode, the Doctor has a granddaughter, and actually for the first um, series in a bit, he has his granddaughter Susan. What and then. To her, then? She, in The Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is the second Dalek story, which got remade into the second Peter Cushing <laughs> film, yeah. um, she basically meets a guy on, they land on a future Earth invaded by the Daleks, and she falls in love with one of her resistance fighters and goes, well, I'm going off to have my own life. And actually, now we've brought that up, I'm going to play the, um, the scene where Hartnell, or the first Doctor, says goodbye to Susan, because that's actually really sweet and lovely. During all the years, I've been taking care of you, you and the town have been taking care of me. Oh, Grandfather, I belong with you. Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild, and always will be. But now, you're a woman too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots, and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David. And not with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs. And prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. There you go, leave Susan behind on future Earth. Yeah, very good. Does, one of Hartnell's greatest moments, that. Does, um, so does, like, his his Earth family, do they ever come back? His Earth, so you mean... Or uh, ancestors or, or well, descendants? Well, not, not, not in Doctor <laughs> Who, the TV... I see what you mean, he's got, like, a family yeah, on Earth, now, technically. Yeah. Not in uh, the TV show, but, you know, Doctor Who obviously has this huge expanded universe yeah. of books and, and audios. We talked before about, in Terror Hawks, about Big Finish, who make these, yeah. these audio dramas... And uh, they've explored a thing where Susan and comes back with um, her son, who's half human, half Time Lord, and right. they meet Paul McGann's Doctor. Ah. And actually, the Doctor's uh, great-grandson, I guess, is played by Jake McGann, who's Paul McGann's son. Ah. So it all gets very... Grace says that you have a big secret. I'm half human. On my mother's side. I'm surprised they haven't done that more often, though, to bring the Doctor's family... I guess, I guess if you did it now in, in like a Peter Capaldi episode, yeah. it'd be a bit confusing to, to just go, yeah. oh, and this is Susan from 1964. You know, people would be like, what? You know. But then Doctor Who fans are mostly we like would. you, aren't they? So. Well, yeah, but like your average punter watching on a Saturday yeah. night, they always have to, so for if, some reason, they have to consider them too. So if I'm starting um, with Hartnell, yeah. it, did the, Doctor, the early Doctor Who suffer the likely lads situation where they <laughs> lost some episodes? Yeah. Oh, okay, this is, this is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately... 
uh, a lot of from John Pertwee on, mm-hmm. so 1970 on, all Doctor Who exists. Uh, 60s Doctor Who, none of the ones I've picked out here, but a lot of 60s Doctor Who has been um, junked and erased because it was, it was basically they thought. Well, there was there were no there was no such thing as DVDs or no. VHS. There weren't even really repeats much. No. Um, the only time you'd need an old episode is if you want to show a clip on Blue Peter or yeah. something. So they were just like, oh, we're running out of tapes. Tape over old Doctor Who, basically, like, like you would, like, like we would in our house in the nineties. If you go, oh, just tape over that. They would just tape over idea, Doctor Who with with a new episode of I don't know, you know, on the buses or something. The idea of that back then, you just think, what? I know it was all new yeah. to them back then, but why would you? record over things well I mean absolutely remarkably though they're still finding um, so called missing episodes yeah. of Doctor Who they found some uh, in like I think it's Africa recently they found some in like Hong Kong Patrick Troughton's been um, the second Doctor he's been hit harder than William Hartnell but there are so there was 250 episodes uh, sorry 253 episodes produced in the first six years of Doctor Who 97 of them um, are missing 97 but it, but it was it used to be something like 150 odd and it's now down to 97 didn't, but it's still almost 100 episodes missing didn't I read that you could get like you can find the audio of some of them or something well this is the thing so um, not all they're not truly lost so the the filmed episodes are lost but there are sound recordings of every single Doctor Who episode That's ever really weird so they basically just from uh, ner- nerds nerds are the best <laughs> um, in the 60s people would put their like little tape recorders up to their tellies and record Doctor Who as if it were radio sort of. as if it were radio so they could listen to it back and, yeah. kind of, and, and that's now the only copy we have of some episodes of Doctor Who and those recordings have been cleaned up released on CD and they've also done animated reconstructions of some ah, episodes using that so, that's cool but oh. yeah unfortunately there is a lot of Doctor Who that we may we may never see I'm surprised that they haven't like just recreated it just for the hell of it like get an actor like the one uh, what's his name from the, the people have talked about that so you talk about David Bradley yeah, and well, William Hartnell yeah. in Adventure in Space why don't you just recreate him just for the hell of it they've talked about it well I think again, when they made Adventure in Space and Time part of it which was a sort of William Hartnell biopic that was yeah. made in uh, 2013 for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who and they, 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 there are little bits where they recreate um, yeah. the stories just because you know cause it's part of the drama yeah. and apparently like Mark Gatiss was like why don't we just lock the doors and have them recreate the whole of the web planet or whatever, you know, it was just like, you know. So, yeah, so pe- people have thought about it, but I guess, you know, it's probably quite a niche market. I don't know yeah. who's really crying out for it, apart from the Doctor Who uh, hardcore. So, okay, so you've got this this first ever episode of um, of Doctor Who going back. And um, the, the, doc- the when you first meet the Doctor, he's kind of just a bit of a... A grumpy dick. Again, we're getting back to this. Who kind of hates humans? He hates them. But he does. And but but what's brilliant about the William Hartnell era is you watch him. He kind of transitions um, from being this kind of scheming old grouch yeah. to becoming a hero, and that's really that's really nice to watch. Excuse me. What are you doing here? Uh, we're looking for a girl. We? Oui? Well, good evening. What do you want? Um, one of our pupils, Susan Foreman, came into this yard. Really? In here? Are you sure? Yes. We saw her from across the street. One of their pupils, not the police, then. I beg your pardon? Why were you spying on her? Who are you? So the first ever, ever episode of Doctor Who is brilliant. Um, the next three episodes of that first four-part are, it's, um, they were like, we need a really dynamic launch for this series. It's something really exciting. Doctor Who, in the time of the cavemen. Really? Yeah. So, and I, I, I like those, I like those episodes, but they get a lot of flack. Yeah. And again, I'm saying, for a newcomer, don't, don't watch um, episodes two through four. Okay. This knife shows what it has done. There is blood on it. Who killed the old woman? I did not kill her. 
You killed the old woman. You skip straight to the second story, horrible story, because you've got Daleks again, everyone loves okay, a Dalek. Good. Then, if you are particularly loving the, the first Doctor, not essential, but sort of recommended, there's a story called The Aztecs, okay. which is uh, one of, I think, my favourite William Hartnell story. Um, and it's they go back to the time of the Aztecs and it's kind of danger and you know daring do but it's got like a really sweet little subplot where the doctor falls in love with like an Aztec lady and it's like um, and it's really romantic and it's sort of like you know like last tango in Halifax but in, in, in 15th century Mexico it's really nice the tomb is sealed now surely the builder had some way of opening it my knowledge is too limited to answer you but the builder's son may know yes of course I don't wish to pry into family matters no one could think that of you I shall arrange a meeting oh my dear how charming of you when shall it be oh anytime uh, today an interested mind brooks no delay yes and I'm sure that's true of you too. Hmm? It was true. And I am content to spend the time here like the others. Oh, but their minds are old, Kameka. And that's something I'm sure yours will never be. Your heart is young. True, Doctor. Um, okay, so then you follow it up with, we, we talked about him just, just a moment ago, uh, Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. And I think he is, I think he's my favourite Doctor of all. Really? So I'm saying Matt Smith's my favourite modern Doctor of all the Doctors. Patrick Trout is my favourite. But he's the one with the least, like, well, not the least, but... Yeah, the, the least episodes yeah, re- remaining. Yeah, yeah. I just love him from what I've, from what I've seen, um, just because I think he's kind of, as much as as much as much William Hartnell's great, he's kind of the like, slightly darker, slightly um, more more brusque Doctor. And Troughton is kind of the Doctor that every actor since has tried to be. Is he the one with the flute? He's the one with the flute and, and sort of the Beatles haircut. Right, okay. But he's... He, he can be dark and sinister and alien, you know, with the best of them, but he's also kind of more fun and silly and ridiculous. And I think he sort of cr- created the Doctor as people recognise the Doctor. I don't yeah. think as great as anyone who followed him, Tom Baker, you know, Peter Davison, David Tennant, any of them, as great as they are, they're all basically doing a version of Patrick. Okay. That's not to do them down, but they're all basically um, doing a version of Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. And presumably your large spaceship holds your invasion fleet. And the smaller ships can only enter the Earth's atmosphere by homing on a radio beam. You know our ways. You must be destroyed. Yes, well, I I was afraid you'd get back to that. Uh, well, you'd better come in. Now, so, and here's one of his stories, which I think is a good one for newbies, is... Uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, which is kind of it's everything about it's kind of like it's kind of like archetypal Doctor Who is classic. So you got um, the Doctor and his companions, some bad guys and some good guys, and they're all just trapped in this um, sort of alien base uh, with Cybermen. And if you ever seen that, you might have seen that clip of Cybermen coming out of their their tombs and they all they all march down. Yeah, and and it's 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 that, and that's basically it's kind of like science fiction, but they're kind of um, archaeologists uncovering this base. It's kind of got like an Indiana Jones alien vibe to it as well. And um, so it's really exciting, but it's also, again, like with a lot of great Doctor Who, it's quite emotional. And there's a scene in it which I particularly love where um, the Doctor's companion, it's only her second story, Victoria, it's her second story. And her, in the previous story, her dad had been um, exterminated by the Daleks. Um, and he just, there's just a little quiet scene where he comforts her, um, which I'll, I'll play a, bit, a clip of now. And I just think it's really great. It's kind of, again, another example of Doctor Who at its very best. Are you happy with us, Victoria? Yes, I am. At least, I would be if my father were here. Yes, I know, I know. I wonder what he would have thought if he could see me now. You miss him very much, don't you? It's only when I close my eyes, I can still see him standing there, 
before those horrible Dalek creatures came to the house. He was a very kind man. I shall never forget him. Never. No, of course you won't. But, you know, the memory of him won't always be a sad one. I think it will. You can't understand being so ancient. Eh? I mean old. Oh. You probably can't remember your family. Oh, yes, I can when I want to. And that's the point, really. I have to really want to, to bring them back in front of my eyes. The rest of the time, they, they sleep in my mind, and I forget. And so will you. Oh, yes, you will. You'll find there's so much else to think about, to remember. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. You know, there's a lot of uh, looking after like young women in, in Doctor Who. So. Are you just corrupting that lovely, no, sweet I, little I, scene? I genuinely, um, cross my heart, wasn't meaning that. I just mean it just seems like a really nice sort of father figure sort of... Yes, thing. exactly. Yeah, I, did, I honestly didn't mean <laughs> No, I think obviously <laughs> they cast young girls as companions because yeah. uh, the old saying was it was something for the dads. Yeah. So while kids were watching... Uh, Doctor Who and loving it, you'd have uh, pretty young yeah. girls for dance. But at least too. it is them. It's not like I know. I suppose in the later series it might have been, mm. but it's not always about him trying to cop off with them. No, no, it's not. After no hanky panky in the TARDIS yeah. was, was what was the line. Were these recorded live at the time? Not live, but kind of as live. Right. So okay. um, yeah, it wasn't literally broadcast live, but it was kind of you got one one shot of this. Okay. If if we do two, you're in trouble. Okay. So yeah, so so frequently there are kind of line flubs and stuff in old Doctor Who, and you yeah. just had to get on with it. It's kind of like as if you filmed a pl- filmed yeah, a play or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you've watched some modern ones. You've watched some sort of. Classics, your Tom Baker's, your John Pertwee's, you then delve back to the slightly um, mm-hmm. creakier, but I love it, black and white stuff. And at this point, I think if you're still watching at this point, <laughs> you've survived. You've reached, you have survived. <laughs> Stage five, full blown hoofing. <laughs> now, if okay. you've got someone this far, if you've managed to convince you know, someone. You've done a good job. As much as I love it, you know, you've, you've done a good job. They've especially got a, the caveman episode. Yeah, especially. <laughs> you, you've got to be pretty interested in Doctor Who by this point. And it's at this point. Uh, you can maybe, if you like, delve into slightly murkier territory. <laughs> now, I wouldn't go so far as to say bad Doctor Who. I'll say 1980s Doctor Who, which, yeah. which, it, you know, Doctor Who is always because because every episode is kind of the Doctor's traveling through time and space. Every episode is very different, and so it varies in you know, tone and style, but also inevitably in quality. So it's always it's always as part of what I love about it. It always you know goes from brilliant one week to a bit dodgy the next. Um, but the, the problem, and I think a problem with the a lot of 80s Doctor Who, a lot of people have a go at the scripts, but the scripts I don't think are any you know better or worse than, than they ever were. What's the, what the problem is, someone said to me once, 1980s Doctor Who, the production values are the same as 60s Doctor Who, which was fine in the 60s because it was the 60s. 20 years on, they should have moved on and they haven't, and it just, it just it doesn't look great. Um, and you ha- you have to forgive it a lot more. So who was in the eighties? Was this Colin? So Baker? it's Peter Davison, Peter Davison. Colin Baker, yeah. Sylvester McCoy. Right. It's not traditionally regarded as Doctor Who at its peak, right. um, but I think a lot of that is just down to how it looks. Yeah. It looks a lot shoddier. But if you if you are able to kind of use your imagination and look beyond its production limitations, I don't think the scripts are any you know better or worse. It has its duds, but it also has you know some real classics. I think at the time it was kind of it was being outclassed a little bit because you had great eighties science fiction movies, you know, and, and, and stuff like in the in TV shows in the US like Star Trek The Next Generation, yeah. which you watch some of that now and the CGI doesn't look that dreadful. No. You watch old Doctor Who, um, but you need, you need to kind of see past the, you know, the dodgy model shots and the monsters. You need to see past uh, the murka 
and, and the magma monster. Hang on, I'll show you. I'll show you a it little bit sound great. of the magma monster. But ironically, the magma monster. I was going to say, if you are going to show someone eighties um, Doctor Who, there are, there are a few episodes that you should you should try out, and one of them is uh, the Caves of Androzani, which is nineteen eighty four. It's Peter Davison's final Doctor Who story, and the script is written by Robert Holmes, who was one of Doctor Who's sort of regular, most celebrated writers. And basically, the script was so good that Peter Davison was like, "Oh shit, I wish, can I can I stay for a full series?" And they were like, "No, we've hired no. Colin, Colin Baker's here, mate. You got to go." And he was like, "Ah, because it's it's a really good episode." Now I slip hands in the air over here. Why? Because I'll kill you if you don't. Not a very persuasive argument, actually, Stubbs, because I'm going to die soon anyway. Unless, of course, I get it. Saying the script is great, but film shoddy. <laughs> but you've uh, you've got this thing which looks like a pantomime horse. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. The magma monster. Look at the state of that. Christ Almighty! Put a picture of that on the website. The magma monster is absolutely that honestly dreadful. looks worse than Terror Hawks. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's another thing which is one of Doctor's other famous all-time uh, <laughs> worst monsters called the Merka, which um, that that was not. Uh, in such a great story, he didn't have a great script to back it up. Uh, a story called Warriors of the Deep. Um, yeah, that's that's the Merka. Don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah, is that his eye? Uh, yeah, that's it's like it's like like a bloke. Basically, okay. it's literally a pantomime horse. That one. Oh uh, but my point is, yeah, okay, it doesn't look that great, but I I maintain the kind of the quality of it is is no is no worse if you look really deep in it. So is this like the Roger Moore equivalent? Well, no, Ro- <laughs> well, no, because Roger Moore. Some of the Roger Moore Bond films are just bad. There's no, there's no. But but yeah. uh, you know, much as the Man with the Golden Gun has a bad script, but Christopher Lee, these yeah. these things have some of them have great scripts, but dodgy monsters. Okay. Kind of the, the flip of Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Caves of Androzani is worth watching if you're going to delve into the eighties. Uh, Revelation of the Daleks, which is 1985, which is the final story of Colin Baker's first season, which is. Um, Sixth Doctor fighting Daleks and Davros, that's, that's pretty good. I see you've been busy, whereas you have been stupid, Doctor. Prerogative of a Time Lord. I must say I'm surprised to see you. The last time we met, your ship blew up. I thought with you on board. Not when there is an escape pod to be had. Or it seems a lift by a transporter to this place. Ah, there I was, fortunate. Oh, I like the statue, by the way. Very good likeness. Though really, you shouldn't have bothered. There's also um, the second to last, sort of penultimate ever Doctor Who story in 1989, uh, Curse of Fenric. There's a lot going on in that. But it's basically <laughs> uh, the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, and he's fighting vampires and an ancient evil spirit. But in World War Two. <laughs> Come that's, on. That's cracking. I love it. A Curse of Fenric. The Time Lord finally understands. You think I didn't know? The chess set in Lady Painful's study. I knew. Earlier than that, Time Lord. Before Cyberman. Ever since Iceworld. Where you first met the girl. I knew. I knew she carried the evil inside her. I think I'd have chosen a social misfit if I hadn't known. She couldn't even pass her chemistry exams at school. And yet she manages to create a time storm in her bedroom. I saw your hand in it from the very beginning. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of my my five-part plan. Uh, how are you feeling now I've outlined this? You reckon you might attempt to be, give Doctor Who a go? I really should, really, because it's it's silly to be a British person without... <laughs> shameful. I'd say shameful. Because it's like, 
you know, I have seen recent ones and relatively enjoyed them. Mm. And seeing those clips of the old ones, they do look pretty good. And yeah. I like old sci-fi stuff. So yeah. I'm sure if I properly gave it a go, yeah. it'd be fine. I'll print this out for you. Yeah. It can, can be a five-step <laughs> five, five <laughs> plan to full, full-blown yeah. Doctor Who cool. geekdom. Lovely. Well, um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please do get in touch uh, via our Twitter, which is at 2geekscast, uh, or visit our website, which is 2geeks2beers.wordpress.com, um, and you can find all our previous episodes there, or subscribe through iTunes, however you get your podcasts, all our previous episodes are there. So please do give them a listen as well. Uh, next time, uh, inspired in, during the last episode, I was suddenly, <laughs> when we were talking about franchises, I suddenly thought of one I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but we thought it'd be good enough for its own episodes. I'm going to talk about all the Tremors film franchise, um, including the TV series and everything. So There's a Tremors TV series? Oh, yes. All right. We won't talk about that Let's now. not spoil ourselves. Yeah. So next week is, is Tremors. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I bet you're trembling with anticipation. I'm going to leave you now with, with a, a single from 1972. Um, it's Doctor Who related. Um, released by none other than John Pertwee. Really? Yeah. It's called... Who is the Doctor? Um, it's the Doctor Who, sort of a jaunty version of the Doctor Who theme, but with John Pertwee doing, like, spoken word over the top. Is it like an early form of rap where he's sort of <laughs> saying, who the man, I'm the Doctor? Kind of, and it, it, it is simultaneously the best and worst thing you will ever <laughs> hear. So right here is a, is a treat for your ears. Um, but thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye. I cross the void beyond the mind. The empty space that circles time I see where others tumble blind To seek a truth they never find Eternal wisdom is my guide I am the doctor Through cosmic waste the TARDIS flies To taste the secret source of life A present science can't deny exists within Wimey.